You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. What would you do if your world and your identity burst into flames in an instant? There are really only two choices. One, you could cave in and curse your fate forever. Two, you could find the inner strength and resources to transform horror into beauty, success, and happiness. Hello, storytellers, and welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life, where you will learn two important things. One, how to discover and communicate your authentic message in a way that compels people to listen, to like you, trust you, and want to do business with you. And two, where you will learn how to change the stories that you tell yourselves, the ones that are limiting your life, and to replace them with stories that expand your life, enrich it, bring you more happiness, success, and everything that you want and deserve from this experience that we're all sharing. When you learn something that is an aha for you and you share it with others, by articulating it, you learn it and absorb it at a deeper level. And at the same time, your learning has a ripple effect in the lives of others. And that will always come back to you in an enriching way that you can't even begin to imagine. So, when you get value from this show, go to iTunes, and where it asks you for a review, simply leave or express your biggest takeaway from today's episode. And when it asks you for a rating, hopefully I have earned a five-star rating from you, and you give that to the show. Your actions will help the show to climb the ranks even higher in iTunes and to reach more people. Thank you in advance for doing that. Books are one of my favorite topics because they are one of the most powerful tools for expanding us, enriching us, and helping us to make significant breakthroughs. Take advantage of the offer from our sponsor, Audible, a free audiobook of your choice. You choose from more than 180,000 titles, and you get access to all of Audible service for free for an entire month. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power and choose the audiobook that excites you the most right now. I have also created a personal gift for you, the listeners of this show, an ebook that will quickly and in a very entertaining way help you to become a more powerful and compelling communicator in every area of your life. It's called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. And to claim your free copy, simply visit the site for this podcast called changeyourstorypodcast.com. And on the homepage, you will see where you can download the book and begin to enjoy it immediately. Thank you for being a listener, supporting this show, and joining a worldwide community of people who are constantly expanding their growth. Today's guest has a burst-into-flames story. 
Guess what choice he made? Obviously the second one, or he wouldn't be sharing his inspiring story with you today. He transformed himself into an internationally recognized speaker, a number one best-selling author, and the founder of the Cody Burns Foundation for Burn Survivors. His book is Scar Release, Breaking Free of Yesterday's Troubles. His name is Cody Burns. Cody, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Hey, Lewis, thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Yes, and I'm glad you're here too, my friend. Let's begin at the beginning. Where were you born? I was born in Evansville, Indiana, southern Indiana. Evansville, what is it famous for? <laughs> well, it's not not too much. It's it's just one of those. Uh, I can't really think off the top of my head. I, I do know that years ago, uh, the the movie League of Their Own was actually recorded at one of the ballparks there. Um, but besides that, I really I can't think of anything else. Mm. I, I only mention because I've heard that Evansville a lot for some reason, and I can't identify it with anything either. But big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so who would you say influenced you the most when you were a child? Um, whenever I was a kid, I became very fascinated with uh, the circus. And you know, my mom and dad grew up, you know, I grew up, they was always taking me. And so I was, uh, fell in love with clowns and with juggling. And specifically, the juggling really stood out to me. So as a kid, you know, that was something I, if anyone was a really good juggler, I looked up to them. And so they were a great influence. And I studied them. So can you juggle? I can juggle, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I ended up teaching myself as a youngster. And then, you know, going through elementary school to middle school, I started to uh, begin to get really good at it and getting paid. I started doing a, a lot of different shows, events, fairs, birthday parties. And so it really took off. And so I, I had a really strong desire to do those things. And, yeah, I, I can juggle. <laughs> I would imagine that one of the, the 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 things that you would gain from it, besides obviously being able to do that as an entertaining thing, is uh, you would develop a strong sense of focus. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, and you know, working on the, the hand-eye coordination and uh, and and are you talking about focus as far as the skill level or as far as the determination to accomplish that? No, I mean, in order to do it, you've got to be 100% present and concentrating. You, your mind can't drift. Yeah, <laughs> you have to be in the moment. Yeah, right. And that's that's a powerful thing to have that you can carry over into anything else you do, you know? Yeah. Now, now was your childhood dream to become a circus performer or a juggler? It was. I was was so fascinated with it, and I wanted to become one of the best. And, you know, my mother, you know, says I'm the world's greatest uh, juggler, but, you know, that's mom. Um, but, you know, after high school, I was presented with, actually during high school, I was presented with a lot of opportunities uh, to take this career on further in the entertainment world. Like, I had connections with Ringling Brothers Circus. Um, I had uh, a lot of guys that I knew, uh, they were out in Vegas doing shows, and so they said, hey, we'd love to have you come out, Cody, and can be mentored and kind of, you know, work your way in to the big stages. And uh, However, I, I made, a diff I made a diff another decision after high school, and uh, that was to pursue ministry school, and uh, a whole other shift, because I grew up in church, very active in church, and I used those skills to present a message, and so... The church was one of the, the, the greatest ways for me to um, grow out of the shy stage, because I was a shy little boy. Um, it gave me a great opportunity to, to hone in on my craft. You say to hone in on witchcraft now. <laughs> the, the juggling. The, the juggling. juggling, yeah. But as well as the, because I also understood as a young boy that I had a call on my life to minister. Uh, to, you know, more importantly, just give give hope to people. And so I wanted to do that along with the juggling and those things. It was like a tool to use. And so, um, you know, being in, in the church, I was always given opportunities to, even as a little boy, you know, I'm sitting there uh, entertaining to my peers. You know, I was given a lot of opportunities. All right, Cody's going to juggle for you today. He's going to do a lesson. And so that really helped me break out of my shell 
and just kind of grow. So you combined the juggling in the work that you were doing in the church. Correct. Wow, that's great. You know, this suddenly triggered for me one of my favorite film directors, Martin Scorsese. Uh, Are you aware that his two choices were become a priest or a filmmaker? Mm. And he became a filmmaker. But the influence of Catholicism in his work is powerful. It's there all everywhere. He often talks about that, you know, that uh, he was drawn to being a Jesuit. Fascinating. Yeah. Now, so tell us now about that event that totally changed your life. Yeah, so I had, you know, um, throughout the years, I, I really honed in on my craft. After high school, I got my pastoral credentials. I became a children's pastor. And along with being a children's pastor, I was given the opportunity to travel and speak at other places, other uh, events. And I did get to do a couple circus events, although I never did a tour with the circus. But I was 23 years old. Life was going great. Um, it was a Friday afternoon, May 31st, 2013. I was stopped at a red light on the highway, and I was hit by a refrigerator box truck that did not stop. It rear-ended me. And uh, I don't remember none of this. This is just the information given to me by the witnesses and the police report, the first responders. Uh, because I last thing I remember was driving. And then three weeks later, I wake up in a hospital bed straight out of a coma. And so... What, we're, what I'm told happened is uh, when the vehicle, when the truck hit my vehicle, it blew up into flames. And so I was uh, inside of the Dodge Durango, which, you know, upon impact, it did not look like a Dodge Durango. Uh, it was a big fireball. And so when the first responders came, they called it out as a fatality. They knew that nobody could survive this just by the looks of it. The Sheriff's Department took hundreds of photos and if any of the listeners want to view those, they can on my website, CodyBurns.com. Uh, it's just incredible to, to look and, and to see that, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I survived this thing. And so they call it as a fatality. They didn't call the coroner. Um, but somehow or another, they changed their plans because they saw my hand move. And it took them a good hour to get me out of this thing. And then they put me on a stretcher. They then life-flighted me to a hospital in Evansville, Indiana, and then immediately redirected me to the burn unit in Indianapolis, Indiana. And that's where I was put into a coma on full life support. Uh, I had severe burn injuries. 40% of my body severely burned, burnt down to bone and muscle. I had broken vertebrae. You know, everything that could have went wrong in the burn unit, it seems like it did. My family was definitely on a roller coaster ride. Life drastically changed. And like I said, you know, I don't remember anything until three weeks later waking up out of that coma. Wow. I mean, this is, well, listeners, storytellers, when I said burst into flames story, I was not exaggerating. In fact, it was an understatement from what Cody has just described. Now, please pardon my perverse sense of humor, but I can't get over the fact that your last name is Burns. I I know you don't spell it with a U, but... You ever think about that? I I do, and, and the the burn unit had a time with that one, and you know I, it, you have no other choice but to see how ironic it really is. Uh, you know, I, I had a a minister. They tell me, you know, that the only thing that's different between Burns and your last name Burns with B Y R N S is the Y, and so there's a powerful message in that Y. Uh, but yes, I mean, as far as seeing the 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 humor in that it, it is. I mean, it's 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 very present. I mean, I, I laugh about it now, and I can. As a matter of fact, whenever I go speaking at places, that is one of the first uh, jokes I tell is, is to kind of break the ice. I mean, Cody Burns. <laughs> yeah, because literally you did. I mean, that's so bizarre. It's like mm-hmm. it's like a sentence when you, you know when you realize what happened. You go, my name says what happened to me. <laughs> it's all in the name. Really. Woo. Spooky. Yeah. Man. Now, you say burned down muscle and bone. When you woke up, how did you cope with pain? I mean, I, they medicated you, obviously, but 
I mean, how long were you in intense pain? Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, you know, during that time, you know, I was highly medicated, and there was a lot um, of hallucinations still going on. I do remember waking up and my family being there by my bedside explaining to me what happened because I didn't know. And, you know, I, I knew I was wrapped like a mummy. My bandages were soaking with, with blood and fluid. and The, the searing, the, the pain, it was just unbelievable. And even though I was highly medicated, I mean, what I could feel, it was, it was, it was crazy. Uh, burn injury is one of the worst experiences I think a human being can encounter. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just... There, but not just pain physically, but emotionally. Because, you know, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, here I am. I'm going my whole life trying to do what's right. You know, I'm, after my vision, I wanted to give hope to people. And then here I said, I didn't see this coming. And I'm now in a hospital bed. And my entire life as I knew it came to an end. And I'm scarred. And I'm in pain. And I still don't know exactly what is going on or what's burned. Because I also, you know, I had the broken vertebrae. So I was in a... Uh, neck brace and so I couldn't lean up to see I knew my legs were burned my feet I couldn't see what was really happening I just know it must have been really bad uh, because when the when the burn unit would, or, sorry when the burn surgeon would come in he would bring an entire team of nurses and therapists and they would take pictures and I'm thinking holy cow am I like a science experiment but they do that to keep on track with the healing I mean they were very very good with what they do but in my mind I wasn't thinking about that I was thinking oh my gosh I must really be a basket case. Well, I mean, in a way you were for a while. I mean, so do you recall the first emotions when you when it hit you? You mean when the when the truck hit me? No, no. When 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 the reality of what you were living hit you because you said you woke up and then you discover this, but you know, I would imagine that you could be thinking, okay, I'm having a dream. This is a terrible dream. But when it hit you as a reality, what did you feel? Yeah, well, I, you know, your first, your first thought is, okay, I'm, I'm glad to be alive. But I had those moments, I ain't going to lie, that I'm thinking, you know, one moment I'm thankful to be alive, the next moment I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, why didn't I just die in that car crash? Because the pain was just so unreal. But, I mean, it, it, it really did seem like you're living a dream. Um, yeah, it's a, a true nightmare, yeah. and you got crazy hallucinations. You're like, I didn't see this coming. This was not part of the plan. And your family's all over the place. They're, you know, they're praying by your bedside, but yet you have nurses coming in and out. They're washing parts of your body that you're just like, really. And you know, the the, I mean, it was just. The reality of it was very emotional for me. And I, to be honest, I didn't know, understand it completely until maybe about a few weeks after coming out of a coma. And what would you say, looking back, was the, your biggest obstacle to healing? I'm talking about an inner obstacle to healing. Yeah, well, the, the emotional, you know... That's the thing, you know. I had the, the third. I had third and fourth degree burns. I never heard of a fourth degree burn in my life, um, but those um, burns produced scars. Scars that will forever be, you know, on my body. There's no changing it. Uh, however, there was also those emotional scars, and I think everybody in today's world, we all have those emotional scars, and I think those were the hardest to overcome in my case. You know, emotionally, you know, thinking, "Oh my gosh, why me? How are people going to look at me now?" You know, here I was, I was juggling. Am I going to be able to juggle again? You know, they wanted to amputate a few of my fingers. My family's there, and they say, no, save him. Do whatever you can to save him. And, then, you know, they didn't amputate him, but they don't move like they used to. So, you know, I cannot juggle as good as I used to before the crash, but I make the most of what I can do. But at the time, I didn't know what I would be doing. And then my faith was really tested, you know, wondering why. Why would God, you know, allow something like this to happen to me? And so there was all these thoughts going on in my mind. It was a crazy emotional experience. Wow. And how long would you say it took you to get to a place where you could start to see that, feel the hope and feel, you know what? I'm going to be able to build a better life from this. Yeah, I will... You know, I had a really strong community that was backing me. 
and everyone was praying. There was a Facebook page that was created to keep everybody, uh, you know, on target with what's happening. And you know, as I begin to look at things, you know, it took me a while just to open up my iPhone and look at everything. But as I begin to see these messages, people were were giving to me, and you know, and being in the, being in kids ministry and, and working in that field, I had a lot of hundreds of cards that were given to me by kids, drawings, get well, Pastor Cody. And seeing these things, and I thought to myself, okay, there's people that are watching me. And all my life I've been preaching one thing, so at this moment I really have to start living up to what I preach. I'm setting an example. And then I also seen those people where it was really blessing them, it was encouraging them, and I thought, oh my gosh, there's something to this. And then, you know, I had a lot of great mentors, pastors, people. There was one man that I talked to specifically that I will never forget, uh, he is. He was introduced to me by another pastor in Illinois. He has been speaking for years. He served in Vietnam. His name is Dave Reaver, an incredible speaker. He's also a burn survivor. And he, uh, when he was in Vietnam, he went, he went to throw a hand grenade, and before he could release it, a sniper had shot it, and it blew up all over his body. And so for years, he battled with depression and suicide, and he, uh, he was telling me his story, and he said he was on TV being interviewed by a lady, and she said, Dave, you know why God allowed you to be burned and scarred? And he, at the time, he said that it frustrated him that she would ask such a, such a question on, on TV. Uh, but then she said, you know, Dave, God did not do this to you, but he allowed it to happen because he could trust you with the scars. And that statement changed his entire life. And as he was sharing that with me, I then began to see my life in the same way. It really is powerful. And, and you know, I had to, I, I dug in deep and I grew deeper as far as in my faith. I'm now stronger than ever. And I look at it as now I went through this and there's been lessons that I have learned through these painful experiences that I can give to others. And, you know, in a way, my vision has been enhanced. You know, I always had a vision to help people and bring hope to people. And this whole story has really opened up a whole nother door of a whole group of people that I would have never been able to reach if I hadn't gone through this experience. Oh my God. Wow. Wow. That is really, that's very powerful. Thank you for sharing that. You mentioned this man, Dave, what was his last name? Dave Reaver. How do you spell that? The last name? E-V-E-R. Incredible man. It's O-E-V-E-R, right? O-E-E-V-E-R. Okay. Where is he from? Uh, he is based out of Dallas, uh, yeah, Dallas, Texas area. Now, how long before you were physically healed? Like, uh, let me ask you, are you, have you, you were, your whole body was injured is are you completely ambulatory today? I mean, you 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 move around easily, or yes. And uh, so I, I was in the burn unit for two and a half months. I went to a rehabilitation center where I was constantly being monitored by nurses and doctors. I had to relearn to walk, use my hands again, use the restroom on my own, all the basics. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that, it, I went through a good three years of nonstop therapy and surgeries. But I can walk, I can move, I travel across the country. I've, you know, even did international travel since then. I move around and, you know, I have my scars, but I tell you, I don't allow them to limit me. Uh, gather that. I mean, I mean, this is a very powerful story for our listeners because it really, it eliminates excuses is what it does. Um, it's very easy and I fall prey to this too, to have outer circumstances happen and then believe or point to them as reasons why I can't, and then you fill in you fill in the blanks. But when you hear this, you go, really? What outer circumstance could really stop me if I chose not to have it stop me? Exactly. You know. And I'm going to tell you, there is, uh, and that's that's the point I really had to get to. I had to realize that I cannot change what happened to me. As much as I would like to hit the rewind button, I can't. But I can change my today. And, you know, whenever I go and speak at things, I talk about the four steps 
to keep the vision in the midst of challenges. Because I had a vision to give hope to people. And, you know, in moments like that, we really have to keep our focus on what matters the most. What do we really want to accomplish in this life? You know, I, I had every right to play the victim, but my mom and my family and the community, they knew there was something greater on the other side for their son. And they would encourage me. And so I talk about embracing your current reality, taking control of your current reality, trusting the process and being persistent, and then be confidently you. Okay, so it begins with embracing the current reality. You said there were four steps. And then yeah. take, then taking control of it. Yes. And how yeah. do you do that? That is quite, uh, quite a process, but it is so powerful. I tell you, so I had to gain a fresh perspective. You know, and like I mentioned, realizing I can't change what happened. I had to recognize and understand that I control the scars, so the scars don't control me. And in my case, you know, I was hit by a driver that failed to stop at this red light. And so I had to forgive this individual for what they had done that day. And so I think there's power in forgiveness. And so also, as far as another way of taking control is getting a game plan of how you want to get to the other side. And along with getting that game plan, find good mentors to assist you in the process and remind yourself of your why. Why do I want to recover? Why do I want to move on in life? And my, my why was I knew I wanted to give hope to people. You know, as a young man, I was exposed to how short life is. So the time I'm given today, I want to make the most of it. I want to leave behind a legacy that could truly make a great positive impact in our world. I hear the passion in your voice. So taking control of the reality is the second step, correct? Correct. And the third step is, this is in your book, I assume. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, and it's, it's all kind of it, throughout the chapters. You know, I have kind of narrowed it down to four steps whenever I give my speaking, uh, you know, and get, when I speak at places. But the book lays it out um, in more clarity. Uh, so this is really just a shortened version. But the third one is trusting the process and being persistent. You know, and I and during that, you know, part of the process is you have to understand there's going to be bumpy roads. There's going to be a few detours along the way. And some results won't be what you thought they would be. You know, when, and I use the illustration of, you know, my surgeries on my hands. You know, I, um, I had probably three or four surgeries on some of my fingers, hoping that they would gain the mobility that they once had that would help me in my juggling. But, you know, after that many surgeries, the results didn't come. So I had to adapt to what I could do and make happen. And I think that's just part of it, adapting as we go along and using it to our advantage, rethinking it through, once again, gaining that fresh perspective. Is that the fourth stage, adapting? That, no, the fourth stage, well, fourth. another part of uh, yeah, the, the fourth stage is being confidently you, being the best version of yourself rocking what you got, and along with doing that, giving to others. You know, in my case, you know, like I said, I wanted to give hope to people. How am I going to do that now? There's a whole other story that I have. You know, and it's no longer just a young boy that's juggling. He's, he's doing church. No, he's, he's encountered something horrific in his life. He now carries scars and this story, and it's opened up the door into the burn world. And so really along with that, I have, you know, like I said, I've started the Burn Foundation. We've been able to help a lot of survivors heal and recover, not just physically, but more so emotionally. And, you know, along, I think it's just powerful. And so I am confident in myself and what I can give to the world around me. That is inspiring. Now, clown school helped you to heal, correct? Well, <laughs> well I went to clown school back whenever I was uh, a teenager. And so that was something I, I was really introduced to a lot of great people. But as far as the, the school, I think, I think if anything, it could be the comedy, the, the sense of humor. I think there's so much healing and laughter. You know, it really is. You hear that saying all the time. It's the best medicine. And so, you know, you, you take those uh, things and apply it to your everyday life. Well, it's interesting because I'm, I'm an actor 
and I've taught business people, and we recommend clown work sometimes to business people, and they go, why? Because you, in order to be a good clown, you must first learn to make a, to be okay making a fool of yourself. <laughs> yeah, you do, and 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 that is liberating and extremely empowering. The ego, the ego says, no way, I don't want to be seen as a fool. But when you give up the ego and you jump into it the way a clown does, you suddenly discover a new power. And I would imagine that for you, it may have helped you on some level to deal with, okay, I have scars. I can walk confidently with that and not worry about what others are going to think. Exactly. And... You know, I think one of the things as far as a clown that really draws people is that they're relatable. Everyone can see a part of that clown in themselves. And so, you know, as far as with my scars, what I look at it now is that, yeah, I have scars physically, but there is people in today's world that everyone battles with scars. And some of them are, are they're all different as far as how they take appearance. Uh, but, you know, I walk confidently because I know I have a story and something of value that I can give to others. And it's a way that people can relate to me on a deeper level. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, make that distinction for us between your two types of scars. Yeah, there's the, the physical and the emotional. And so, the, you know, those emotional, you know, they're, they're inward However, they can take appearance in many ways as well, you know, it, it, whether it be in your life, how you handle uh, your, your family or those around you. You know, there's a lot of scars. And if you, you know, as I have become more aware, I can spend time with an individual and I realize that, yeah, they're dealing with some scars of their own and they're just taking form in another way. Mm. Yes, Absolutely. And what's the, describe the difference, Cody, between going through life and growing through life? Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing is, is I think every individual in today's world, they need to establish a vision for their life. If they don't have a vision, then they're just kind of wandering. They are just going through life. But if you establish a vision, then you have a purpose that you're looking to achieve. You're willing to make a positive impact, but you see life through a whole other lens, and you recognize that you're not alone in this world. You're not the only person, and there is lessons to be learned through life. And I think some of the most painful experiences we go through, we often learn the most. And so, you know, life truly is a training ground, so to speak, where you have our highs, our lows. But, you know, life is, is troublesome for a lot of people. But through those times, we have an opportunity. We can see it as a way, oh, we're going to, you know, this is going to be why me, or I can play it as a victim. Or we can see the moment and recognize the lessons through those experiences. And so whenever I recognize the lessons, I am growing in life. I am using them to become a better person and to also teach that, live those lessons to others. Mm-hmm. This is profound. How can people embrace and find strength in the most horrible personal stories? I mean, yeah, we've been talking about that, but that's how you did. But I can imagine somebody listening and saying, I couldn't deal with it. Where do they start? I guess should be my question. Yeah. Well, I think recognizing that you're not alone. I think there's so much power in that. I think sometimes when we feel alone in a situation, that's when defeat starts setting in and we start losing all sense of purpose. And so I think that's, I think that's a powerful step. Recognize that you're not alone and find yourself a great support system. You know, a lot of people say, oh, well, I, I, I didn't have a good family to be by my side like you, Cody, or I didn't have this or have that. But here's the thing, we can make excuses all day long, but ultimately, us as individuals are responsible for putting a good support system in place. And if you don't have a family, then surely you have somebody 
in today's world that can encourage you and guide you to get along, you know, to, to get on that path towards your vision. Uh, you know, surround yourself with good content. You know, there is a great podcast just like this one. Listen to those podcasts. Read some good books. Go to some conferences. You know, put yourself around people that are growing and wanting to accomplish something good in their life. Not with Debbie Downers. You don't need that. <laughs> so I think your environment makes uh, makes you or breaks you. Yeah, I was just going to say you reminded me of a book called uh, uh, Willpower Doesn't Work. Yes, I love it. You know it, yeah? Yes. Of course, and it's based on the idea that environment is stronger than willpower. And I totally agree with what you said, that if supposing you don't have a family around you, today there's no excuse because you can tune in instantly to supportive um, content. And if you're listening a few hours a day, even a one hour a day, to some very powerful, supportive, growth-oriented material, then you're putting yourself in that environment to grow. Yes. Uh-huh. Now, you, you mentioned forgiveness and that it played a role in your growth. What was, did you have to, you, I imagine you had to go through a process to get to a point where you could legitimately forgive. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Well, I yeah, you go through a process, and I think that's the thing. Uh, actually, I had a discussion about this last night uh, about forgetting. You know, it's it's one of those things that some people will, you know, they'll talk about. You know, if you truly forgive somebody, then you're going to forget about it. But in my case, you know, I carry these scars for the rest of my life, and it's kind of very difficult for me to forget, especially as I share my story with others. However, I think it all boils down to my heart and how I am emotionally handling this situation. And, you know, with, with the, the individual that was driving the vehicle, I have never talked to this person. Uh, they've never reached out. Uh, but, however, I doesn't mean I haven't forgiven them, because I have. And forgiveness, I think, is one of those things that really is for yourself uh, to take the power back, take control over your life. You know, don't give them the control. You have control. And I would love to someday meet this, meet this person. I know their name. I don't know where they live, but I am, you know, praying and, and trying to see how to handle that situation. But I would love to someday see them face to face, give them a big hug and say, you know what? I love you. I forgive you. And, you know, and more likely that person, maybe they may be, it may not, but they could be going through their own scars. And so if my story and my perspective can help encourage him, it makes it worth it. It's amazing that he didn't die in the uh, in the crash. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he was in a, it was in a big refrigerator box truck, and uh, from what I am told, and by the the pictures, uh, he was fine. <laughs> he oh, got wow, and so he wasn't under the influence of uh, any drugs or alcohol. Uh, so I still to this day don't know exactly what he was doing. Well, he didn't stop for a light, right? Yeah, it didn't stop at the red light, and uh, it was going full highway speed. It was about 60 to 65 miles per hour. Well, you know, whenever I see accidents, especially on beautiful, clear, calm, sunny days, my first thought to me is the person wasn't present. Because, you know, with us, small things that are not dangerous, that are funny, will happen when you get lost in a trend of thought and, and you're suddenly, you're looking for something and you're carrying it in your hand. You know, you're, yeah. not, you're not present. And, and a lot of people are not present when they drive. Yeah. You know? And um, I can't imagine that, I would imagine that it had something to do with that. Who knows why, but yeah, it would be great for you to meet him and find out. Uh, you're also, are you familiar with the book Radical Forgiveness? I have heard of that. I haven't read it, but I have heard of it. It's worth listening to. The author himself, Colin Tipping, reads it. And it is about the level of forgiveness that you're talking about. It's not just about, okay, you said something nasty to me and I forgive you. This is about a deep level of forgiveness. And 
Yes, he emphasizes that you do it for yourself because that's the way you get free by doing it for yourself. Yes. You know? Now, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just, I was just in, in agreement with you. That is how we, we break free. Mm-hmm. Today's digital media can easily steal a person's power. So how can we prevent that? And this may seem like people are, well, where does that question come from? For me, it comes from the fact that it's an environment. The thoughts that are being, that you're allowing to occupy your mind are creating an environment. Mm. Yeah. Well, you, you know, the, the, the social, social media is huge nowadays. And, you know, our world is just changing very quickly. And as a young man, I'm, I'm recognizing that more and more. And, you know, whenever I was in the burn unit going through this tragedy, you know, you're, I'm looking through social media and you realize that the world is going on without you. And uh, sometimes, you know, it can cause you to be more depressed because you see only the bright side of individuals and you don't only see their dark side. Um, so it can serve um, negatively in that aspect. So you need to be very cautious and, you know, recognize... Um, that, you know, they, their life is, you know, they have their troubles. And so negative digital media, it can work against you or it can work for you. And so it's just all a, mag- a matter of you knowing what to do and what not to do with it. Yeah, you know, I, I, was, I heard something wonderful this morning about the danger of comparison and how it can mess with your self-esteem. Uh, it was Dan Sullivan on a podcast, and he said... Uh, when you compare, what you're doing is you're comparing your inner to someone else's outer. Mm. And when you do that, you look at your inner world, you're going to see the insecurity, the doubts, the fears, blah, 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 the, the things you don't have. And you're just going to look at the outer accomplishments of others and then your inner is going to fall short. And that's yeah. the danger of comparison. And it is true. I mean, and that's, and I think we live in a world where a lot of people are being influenced and they're trying to compare themselves with others, and it's just only going to drag them down further. And so that's that's another reason why I like teaching people: be confidently you, be yourself. You know, don't pretend to be somebody that you're not. Hmm. There are so many powerful examples of that right now um, in the news, man. What is, your, what is your favorite book? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, there's, as far, there's different subjects as far as, like, as, far as motivational. Um, I have many different books. One of my mentors, he's written a good book, um, Dr. Sean Stevenson, Get Off Your Butt. Um, very good book. And, you know, Dave Reaper has also written some really good books, sharing his story, his experience. Uh, but it's, I mean, there's a lot of different things I like reading, though, as far as mar- if there's marketing. <laughs> there's Don, Donald Miller. I really enjoy his stuff. <laughs> so there's a lot of different authors out there I enjoy. Now, isn't it Get Off Your Butts? It's uh, Get Off Your Butt, B-U-T. Just, it's not plural. It, no. It's, it, well, it's, yeah, just B- B-U-T. Yeah, Sean Stevens, I love him, too. Have, I mean, is he your personal mentor? Yes, he is. Ah. So have you been to the Genius Network? Because he's part of that. Yes. Uh, well, I, I haven't been. matter of fact, this November I'm going to their annual conference. Ah. Uh, Joe, I, I have met Joe a couple different times uh, through Sean and through his events. Uh, but this will be the first time I get to go to his annual event. Yeah, I was, I was thinking that you um, could contribute a lot to that community. Oh my goodness! And yeah, and so Sean, yeah, Sean is very close with Joe, and he said, "Well, he, he's kind of like Cody. You need to get involved." And so he's kind of assisting me in getting into that community. And absolutely, I think that's what's so great about it, is everyone feeds off of each other, and we grow from all the things we can provide. Yep, yep. As you were speaking earlier on, I just kept seeing it. I said, "Yeah, well, this guy." If he's not there already, he's got to find his way to the Genius Network. Yeah. Now, if you could wave a magic wand 
and change just one thing in the world, only one, what would it be? My goodness. I think people would just, I think that love would be ever more present. I, I think that is something, you know, people that truly see individuals for who they are. And rather than, you know, how they may look or appear or, you know, no matter what it is, I think love. I really think that is, I think that's huge. Yeah, it sure is, because we're not seeing a lot of it around us today. <laughs> no, I, we, we are, unfortunately. But I, I think if that's something I could do, I would just say, you know what? Everybody love each other. Love each other. You know, if you did it with a magic wand and it was just for an hour, it would change the entire planet. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. If everyone felt it and, and manifested it and, ex- and expressed it at the very same time. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> we would have great change. I think that my next question is almost redundant here, but I'll ask it anyway. <laughs> Well, I mean, you've answered it in so many ways. What gives you a strong sense of purpose? You've said, I mean, it's to to bring hope to people, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think, you know, ultimately it all comes back to my faith. You know, I God has given me an, another day to be here. And, you know, as a Christian, I uh, shouldn't take life for granted. And I believe I'm here to make a difference. And give hope to people, mm-hmm. share people, and so that—that's my drive. Now, how can people contact you? You—you—you you, uh, you do mentoring with people, and you do some work to help them if they're struggling with uh, with some with inner scars. Well, that's actually something that is in the talks um, right now. The big thing that I'm doing is. You know, the, obviously the public speaking uh, the book has been released re- released last year, but then I have another podcast, or I have a podcast of my own that is starting up this fall, and it's going to be called Show Me Your Scars. And actually, Sean Stevenson is the, the one that gave me the name for that. He is kind of uh, being my driving force. I'm looking to have him as one of my first guests on that. Um, so that will obviously be a great way to mentor and guide people. But one-on-one individual coaching Mentorship, that is something that possibly could happen in the future. So for now, for people to get acquainted with you, what website should they go to? Yes, go to Cody Burns, C-O-D-Y, B, I thought I was going to sneeze. Oh, mercy. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> You're allowed. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It never fails. Uh, Cody Burns, C-O-D-Y, B-Y-R-N-S dot com slash change ah. and that will uh, direct anyone and everyone it has all my social media links attached to it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn uh, my videos any information they may need as far as wanting to book me or get in contact with me and the book is also on there there's a link where people can buy that on Amazon Scar Release Breaking Free of Yesterday's Troubles and all the podcast information will be released on that within the upcoming month. That's fabulous. That is wonderful. And uh, storytellers, I think you are aware, just by being present here today and hearing Cody, that whatever you're going to read in that book is not theory. The man is either unfortunately or fortunately walked that road. And I guess he would say, fortunately, today. Yes. Any any final thoughts? Yeah, I'll leave leave with a quote that Sean actually introduced me to, and I love it because it it really, I think, defines my life and in his life in many ways. I think he would say that. Um, It's a powerful quote. I can't remember who it's by, but it's the key to success is playing the hand you were dealt like it was the hand that you wanted. Mm. The key to success is playing the hand that you were dealt 
like it was the hand that you wanted. <clears throat> yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you. I mean, I've learned a lot, and um, this has been a very enriching experience for anyone who's um, going to hear it. Yeah, I hope so. Oh, well, you don't have to hope so, my friend. It is. <laughs> thank you. Thank you again. And thank you, storytellers, for being part of this experience today. Share the value that you got from this episode with the world by visiting iTunes and where it asks for a review, simply express your biggest takeaway. The moment you do that, you will learn it on a deeper level and it will have a ripple effect in other people's lives as well. The show will climb the iTunes ranks and reach a lot more people. Everybody wins. And, of course, they will ask you to leave a star rating. Hopefully, I have earned five stars from you. And thank you in advance for leaving your AHA review and a rating for the show. Of course, every episode leaves you with rich material to apply transformatively to your life. So think about what you received today and then think about an area of your life where you want to grow and expand, perhaps have a major breakthrough. Then apply what you've learned to that area of your life and begin by asking, how can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.